Hello and welcome to MacCast, a podcast from the Department of Media and Communication at St. John Fisher College. I'm Dr. Lauren Vicker. I want to thank my colleagues, Professor Aaron Roselle and Dr. Jack Rosenberry, who are sitting in for me these last two weeks. Aaron's interview with Lauren Dixon and Jack's conversation with Karen Magnuson provided great media insight and lots of advice for our students, so I thank them all for participating. On this episode, sports director, news anchor, photographer, all those terms describe today's guest. John Kutchko has served in all those roles for over 27 years at WROC-TV here in Rochester. He's a great example of how you can't stand still in this business. Today, we hear how John moved from his long career in sports, shifted to anchoring, and became the digital guru of Channel 8. But first, Let's find out what's been happening in the Department of Media and Communication. Congratulations to the Media and Comm Senior Award winners. The winners are James Bailey for the Gary Scoop Cum Laude Award for Excellence in Media, Dan Arusso for the Keogh Founding Editors Award for Service to the Colonel Courier, Morgan Vanderhorst for the Media Management Award, and Claire Sauter for both the James Seward Award for Academic Excellence and the Barbara Wheeler Snyder Award. These seniors will be recognized during the award ceremony on Friday, May 11th. Hear them in a series of mini-podcasts during Senior Week. The Media and Comm Senior Dinner will take place in Wilson Formal Lounge from 6 to 8.30 on Thursday, May 10th. Graduating seniors should be receiving invitations directly from their professors within the past week. Food will be provided and there will also be a cash bar. A reminder for students that course evaluations will run until Sunday, April 29th. We encourage everyone to complete the evaluations. The deadline to apply for a tuition waiver for a summer internship has been extended. See Dr. Vicker and Fade 203 for more information. The last issue for the Colonel Courier magazine is out now. Make sure to check the stands for the latest stories on the new residence hall, sustainability, and a piece highlighting Fisher athlete Mark Van Marder. Welcome back to MacCast. I'm Lauren Vicker, and joining me today is Channel 8 news anchor John Kutchko. Thanks for joining us today. Honored to be here. Thank you. Well, we appreciate your really tight schedule coming in right before the 4 p.m. newscast, so I'm glad there was no super breaking news that kept you from getting here. Even if there was, I'd still be here. Not a problem. <laughs> That's great. So you knew when you were a student at SUNY Oswego that you wanted to be a sportscaster. I actually knew in the third grade. Did you? Yeah, and and it started way back in Binghamton, which is where I grew up. And I had a teacher who was very influential in my life. My third grade teacher really encouraged me to write to my idols, uh, the sportscasters who were people that I watched growing up, Howard Cosell, Brent Musburger. I wrote to all of them. And to their credit, they all got back to me. This is long before the computer, uh, when a handwritten letter meant something. And I got to shadow Howard Cosell a number of times. I got to meet these folks, and it further fueled my desire to get into sports, which is what I focused on my entire childhood, basically, from elementary school to junior high to senior high into college. Wow, and you really worked on that in college, trying to get a lot of experience. Yeah, yeah, internships obviously were key, and I did a number of them. I interned for the New England Patriots in media relations just so I could see how teams dealt with sports media. Mm. 
Uh, I worked at WCVB, the ABC station in Boston, in their sports department, uh, one of the best stations in America at the time especially. And so I had a broad range of experience to really prepare me for the real world, which I would endeavor in 1987. And what brought you to Rochester? Well, I started my career in uh, Elmira, then quickly moved mm-hmm. to Binghamton, which is my hometown. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to earn a really good wage working TV in Binghamton sports. So I <laughs> had an opportunity in 1989 to go to Channel 13. I had interned for Mike Catalana uh, in Binghamton when he was beginning his career down there, and I was still in college. And so he was up here already and got moved up to sports director when Doug Embridge got moved out of sports into news. It created an opening in the weekend slot at 13. So I joined them in 1989, stayed two years, and then I had an opportunity to go to eight to be the main guy. And I did sports director, sports anchor from 1991 up until about two years ago. And I just, I I did it. I had Mm -hmm. a ball. I also did corporate sports, which we own 160 stations in America. And I was on all of them for big events, Super Bowl, Daytona yeah. 500, PGA Championship. And so between my day-to-day uh, Rochester stuff and then mm-hmm. the corporate stuff, I just I, I did what I wanted to do mm-hmm. many times over. I was blessed to do 19 Super Bowls, did probably 500 Bills games, did every home and away Bills game for years, yeah. just had enough. And I kind of fell in love with photography. My wife... About seven years ago, said you're a workaholic. You got to find something to kind of offset the craze. Mm-hmm. And so I never knew anything about photography. I bought a decent camera, a DSLR, and I went out and started taking pictures. And I'm like, I enjoy this. I like the challenge of it, trying to get better with what you're trying to shoot. I would have people ask me if I sold my stuff. I didn't at the time, and those requests were becoming more and more numerous. And so I like, you know, I kind of like this. And so I. Two years ago, went to the station and said, you know what? I've changed. Uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoy photography. I love the digital realm, uh, video, live on Facebook, still images. I want out. And so to their credit, they took me out for three hours and basically coerced me to stay part-time. And I couldn't be happier with that decision. Uh, I work four to five hours a day max. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the time, I'm canvassing Western New York and showing the beauty of our area through the lens of my camera. So, and you have the flexibility then to go where you want, when you want. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful. I do tend to go to some of my favorite hot spots. Letchworth mm-hmm. State Park yep. is at the top of that list, mm-hmm. but when you have the number one state park out of 6,000 in America in your backyard, and it's 18 miles big, you go. Mm. Um, and no two pictures are the same there. I go there probably 40 times a year and see something different every time I go. So mm. I just love showcasing. I think I got into this at the right time because... People were starved for feel-good stuff. Uh, I made this transformation, this catharsis, if you will, during the election season when every debate you watched was getting really ugly and nasty, and people were sick of it. And I sold myself on Facebook in particular because I launched my public page not even two years ago, and I said, I'm going to give you an alternative to all the junk you're seeing on your news feeds, by and large, which were politically charged posts. And people like what I was doing. Uh, I was able to build it up to from zero to 25,000 in 20 months, which is pretty unusual for that. Um, unless you're like a Hollywood A-list celebrity or whatever, mm-hmm. it's hard to do. Um, but I bombarded them with fall foliage, sunsets at the lake, the beauty of Letchworth, my train shots over the trestle, whatever. Uh, people wanted to see the feel-good stuff. And I heard from a lot of transplanted Western New Yorkers who don't live here anymore, mm-hmm. just miss home. And so they would, you know, 
visit these places vicariously through my digital efforts. And so it kind of built into this thing, and, and, and I'm pretty pleased the way it's gone so far. It's ex- exceeded my expectations when I made a pretty bold move two years ago. Yeah, yeah, to walk away from a full-time job. Yeah, sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I couldn't afford it to have done this 10 years ago. I couldn't have, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, I took a major pay cut. Uh, but they still pay me quite well to do what I'm doing. They gave me a car. Uh, I've got my gas, thank goodness, now uh, paid for. But, you know, I really I really enjoy it. It doesn't get old for me. I love shooting in nasty conditions. I do frequently. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's five below, wind is whipping, and I'm up at the lake flying my drone, I really enjoy that because the visual is stunning. And I'm really about trying to find, to pursue that stunning capture and expose it to the world. And I'm, you know, once you build up your base on social, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, once you get into the thousands as far as followers, anything compelling will take off. You just got to go find it. And that's what I specialize in doing now. Yeah, and it's so impressive that you are self-taught. How did you go about it? Was it just trial and error? It was. uh, That's the beauty of digital is, you know, Mm -hmm. you put a digital card in there, you can take 5,000 images, and if you don't Mm -hmm. like 3,000 of them, you delete them. But, you know, my TV experience taught me a few things relating to this. Uh, Working in television, I've always had an eye for composition visually. You know, that's a big part of what we do in TV. Um, I know how to compose a shot, and so that helped me. I never took a photography class, never had any experience. You know, back in my sports days when I was traveling with the Bills and those glorious Super Bowl days, Many years ago, I had a Kodak throwaway camera like a lot of people. But I, you know, I would take pictures, but I was not a photographer by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and you were never in broadcasting at a time when you had to do everything. Were reporting, you had to set up the camera and do a little bit. The, you know, yeah. when I started in the late '80s, there were a lot of one-man bands. They're still, uh, yeah, it was okay. for the sports guys. Mm-hmm. The news folks, it wasn't the case as much. But yeah. in those small markets, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I. First station I started at, you had to shoot your own highlights and go back and anchor the show at 11. Uh, But then you get to Rochester, you had a photographer, and that wasn't the case anymore. Mm -hmm. So I experienced that in my first two years, and then the remaining 29, I wouldn't have to deal with that. It was by choice. And Mm -hmm. the the equipment now, with like what I'm doing now, the cameras are so light. They're so small. Uh, You know, I wouldn't have done this if they were these gargantuan cameras that you want to try to shoot a cool video at the lake. Yeah. It would be a real pain to do that with those that old equipment, but now the equipment is so small and so sophisticated. Uh, it, it's wonderful, and I, I just love doing it. And I noticed that beyond the people who used to live here, you've got some fans well outside of Rochester, including uh, some of the guys from the Weather Channel. Who... Yeah, the Weather Channel, I, you know, I have an agreement with them. They can use anything they want. Uh, mm-hmm. I've gotten to know some of those guys back in my sports days at the Super Bowl. Uh, Jim Cantore would be set up right next to me. And we had never met, but he, he had liked my photos before that meeting, and he had retweeted some, and I went up to him. I said, you know, I'm the guy. He, in fact, he just retweeted a shot of mine. I said, I'm the guy you just retweeted, and he gave me, you know, we talked, and we're like, and so he, they use like that. So does Point two weeks ago today, big windstorm. They used my time-lapse video that I did at the top of every hour for five straight hours. On my Facebook page, it got over 45, 4,700 shares. That's a lot of traction. Uh, that's what I'm after now. Mm-hmm. Is to, you know, and the more eyeballs you get on the page, the more you're going to sell the traditional stuff, which are my my prints. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know, and, and there's an ebb and flow to that. You know, trying to monetize digital content is very tricky. Yeah. Newspapers are learning that the very hard way. Mm-hmm. Uh, television's learning that. You know, they're used to giving it away for free. 
but I've been lucky in the sense that, you know, the more eyeballs I get on my public page, on the Facebook page, the more it just is common sense. The more you're going to sell, the more people you got looking at it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a ebb and flow with it, but this has been a good last two weeks. So parlay the good mojo and hope it continues. Yeah. And you really uh, got a lot of people's attention with the ice house, the, the house encased in ice. In fact, yeah. there was one newspaper article that said it was your own house, which that I was said, a I daily that was a daily mail. Yep. They're not uh -huh. known for accuracy. <laughs> you know, I've never experienced. I thought I had seen the biggest viral moment of my life when I did the Susan B. Anthony election day, Trump versus Clinton uh, gravesite vigil, where I literally did a fourteen and a half hour Facebook live that reached 23 million it went bonkers i thought that's i'll never top that mm. and, and it's awfully tough to do that and that's a different thing that's a facebook live march of last year somebody sends in a photo and it was like taken on a flip phone uh it wasn't really a good photo but they sent in a very uh generic email to the state all the stations it was on a saturday it was the week of the windstorm so people were without power newsrooms mm. were busy doing other things yeah. Uh, and it was a shot of this beach home on Lake Ontario somewhere, they didn't give a location, that was encased in ice. And so I saw the photo, I said to my wife, I must find this by the morning. <laughs> we had gotten the photo, it was just dusk, about 7 o'clock at night in March. And I was up till 2.33 in the morning with my iPad on Google Earth trying to find this place. And I narrowed it down to three spots. I canvassed the Lake Ontario shoreline from Wolcott, to Hamlin, oh boy! And I found three spots where it could be. Uh, the, the guy, the email was kind of a blind email, so you couldn't get back to that person. Mm -hmm. So, the number one spot I visited first, when as soon as daybreak the next day, that was it. And it turned out it's where I shoot my sunsets probably ninety percent of the time. West Webster, it's in a yeah. hidden area where you cannot see from the road. Mm -hmm. You cannot see from the rocks down low where I would shoot my sunsets. It's kind of in its own little hidden world. I walked over there and I saw the ice house. I'm like, oh my God, it's the first place I visited. The other two were quite a distance away, yeah. like 20, 30 miles. So I started taking pictures. I then, when I have something like that, I know to take pictures and to take video. And so I backed it up with several clips. I got it all into my camera and I just sat right there at their place in their little driveway and I uploaded the content immediately. Uh, time is of the essence with social media. I'm a big mm -hmm. believer in that. When you got something, even though no one else was there, no one was going to get it that day. Yeah. Uh, I knew to get it out right away. It was like 8 a.m. now. It's a good time for Twitter. Mm -hmm. People are waking up. They're laying in bed or on the couch, and they're just going through their feeds. Yeah. I put it out there, and within two hours, every network in America was reaching out to me, do you have footage? And I said, I'm about to upload the footage. And the thing went full global. And when yeah. I say full global, you got to understand there was a nor'easter coming in the next day, Monday. Mm -hmm. So all the networks were leading with weather, weather to begin with. So this was all part of their what they call the pre-show opens. Mm -hmm. You know, tonight on World News tonight, winter bears down on the northeast, and they showed this ice house, yep. and then they get ready to talk about what's coming into New York, mm -hmm. Philadelphia, Boston. So not only does it lead all the networks, but Fallon and Kimmel used it in their monologues that week. Inside Edition tracked me down, did a thing with me. I was up there shooting a resume tape for my daughter, who was a senior at Bonaventure at the time, <laughs> when they interviewed both of us. And they put her on here, too. And then it made every major newspaper. I mean, I caught lightning in a bottle. It was a piece of media that was sent to every station, got mm -hmm. ignored by everybody. But I, there, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I've got to find this. Yeah. And uh, 
Did I think it go that big? No, but I wasn't surprised because I know when you've got something compelling, how quickly it can blow up. Yes. And it blew up. And I do have to ask you about the railroad bridge at mm -hmm. Letchworth. And so you're using a drone to film a lot of that. Could you talk about it? Because I know Letchworth is one of your favorite spots. But it is my favorite spot, period. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is that 1875 Trestle is probably the reason I got out of sports. Because when I got that camera to kind of give myself some balance in life, yeah. I would go down to Letchworth. I'd never been before. I maybe I think one went once with my wife on a fall day, and I liked it, but I never, this is like seven, eight years ago. And I saw a train cross. I wasn't even shooting at the time. I had the camera down. I was at Inspiration Point, which is three quarters of a mile away, but I'm like, what a visual. I mean, it's a beautiful red train yep. going across. So I waited until another train came, which was about three hours, and I got closer to the bridge, and I shot it, and I became in love with that place, mm. specifically the trestle. So when, you know, that trestle was built in 83 days back in 1875 when the old wooden bridge burned. It's one of the greatest engineering feats in American history, really, when you think yeah. about it. I became a student of that trestle. And so obviously it wasn't going to last forever. And, and I knew there were efforts underway to replace it. And I made a decision, especially on my Facebook page, to chronicle the evolution. Show the building of the new arch, which has now been open since December. Show the takedown of the old. And all that content blew up. Um, people who had some connection to Letchworth uh, from all over the world were following the saga, and none of the other stations even paid any attention to it. I think they kind of like conceded it to me because they knew I was going to go down there every day. And there was a stretch where I did go down pretty much every day for four weeks straight in <laughs> December. The, the, the folks with the bridge company out of Pittsburgh that built the new arch gave me unfettered access. The state park gave me unfettered access. Put on a hard hat, put on your vest, and get to work. And so I'd use my drone because that is something where you can only really truly tell the story mm -hmm. with a piece of equipment like a drone where you can get high up above the gorge mm -hmm. and, and show them cutting away at the old iron as they take it down when it's 10 degrees. You can only really properly document that with a drone. Mm -hmm. And so I bought the drone a year ago this month, and it has been a game changer. I documented the Lake Ontario erosion last year with my drone. Got a lot of play with that content, houses mm -hmm. that were on the edge about to fall in. Um, and so I've, I've had a, several things with the drone go viral. It's an invaluable tool. One you gotta be very careful with in flying, uh, but it can be a really good storyteller. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, what advice do you give to college students who come to you and say, you know, boy, you've had a really great career. You've done something a lot of people only dream of with with your sports career and being able to kind of be your own boss at, you know, in the news business and, and now focusing so much on this digital area? Well, you know, I've got a daughter that just graduated less than a year ago from college in journalism. And what I impressed upon her, and I do speak to a lot of students at the high school level and into the early stages of college, is you've got to go into it really with broad skills. You want to you've got to have a mindset that you're going to college to get as much experience as possible in a wide array of experience it cannot be the traditional stuff uh, that we are all used to have had hammered home to us for years it's a different world now and you know, a lot of the traditional outlets venues are, are shutting down by the day uh, newspapers television not as much but it's happening uh, it's a digital world now which is a wonderful world it can be a very bad world too 
but you've got to have a skill set that you can really thrive when you get out of school. You need to be able to shoot. You need to be able to uh, have good communication skills to pull off a Facebook Live that may go viral one day. Uh, so I used a lot of those old skills that I learned in school and in my business and transfer them over to the social media sites. And, uh, it, and it's worked well. But I, I impress upon the young people to just embrace every experience possible. No experience is a bad experience. The more you can build into that portfolio, the better you're going to be. That is great advice. Well, It, it means a lot to I mean, I, I really emphasize that. Yeah. I'm adamant mm-hmm. about it because I see a lot of kids that just don't maximize their opportunity. Mm-hmm. There are opportunities everywhere you look on a college campus to pursue digital content if you're into this type of thing. And, and, and you just got to push yourself and realize when you do have success, and you'll have success, but do not rest on that. Your, mm-hmm. your next move's got to be, how am I going to make it better? Yeah. How am I going to find something that's going to do better than what I just found? And uh, if, you, if you, by the time you leave St. John Fisher or any other school, and you've done that for three and a half, four years, you're going to be okay. You're going to be on the right road to really thrive in a very competitive and very quickly changing culture. Hmm. Very good. All right. Well, John Kuchko, thank you so much. Thank you. Sorry it took me so long to get here. (laughs) We really appreciate your time. And we are also planning to link to John Kuchko Digital on the Media and Com Facebook page. So if you haven't seen his work yet, you'll be able to see it that way. MacCast is a production of the Department of Media and Communication at St. John Fisher College. Listen on SoundCloud or subscribe on Apple Podcasts and like us on social media so others can find and enjoy these conversations. Zach Beaver is our audio producer and records what's happening. Lexi Goff compiles events and promotes our podcast. Our original theme music was composed and performed by Dr. Joseph Lopicaro. Jordan Proietti designed our logo. Cecil Felton is executive producer. This will be the final podcast in our series with media professionals in Rochester for the academic year. However, we will be releasing a series of mini-podcasts with our senior award winners as we celebrate the class of 2018. So stay tuned for those in early May. I'm Lauren Vicker. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.